Today's Issues continues on AFR with your host, Ed Vitagliano. And welcome back to Today's Issues. Ed Vitagliano sitting in for Tim Wildman today. I'm joined in studio by Fred Jackson and Steve Jordahl joins us. Good morning, Steve. Morning, everybody. Well, Fred, uh, today is kind of a special day. American Family Radio is promoting The Greatest Journey. What is that? The Greatest Journey is a follow-up to your Christmas shoebox that you uh, probably packed up a couple of weeks ago and is now being distributed to kids all over the world thanks to uh, the great ministry of Samaritan's Purse. And what The Greatest Journey is is a kind of curriculum uh, a lesson plan uh, that kids who get these shoeboxes are then invited to attend, and uh, it kind of lays out the gospel for, for these kids. And as our guest from Samaritan's Purse told us yesterday, uh, we're talking probably about 2 million boxes went out this year, uh, marking, uh, I guess, close to 200 million boxes that have gone out since they started this program. So these kids uh, are invited back for the greatest journey, and they get discipled, and they have an opportunity to accept Christ as their Savior and to start that initial growth in their Christian life. And so uh, today, uh, you, our American Family Radio listeners, get an opportunity to help out in this great missionary effort. And uh, you can call this number, 877-616-2396, 877-616-2396, or you can go to AFR.net. And for a $6 donation, that puts this uh, this lesson plan into the hand of one child. Now, of course, uh, for 60 bucks, 10 children get this curriculum, and for $150, it reaches 25 kids. So as we were saying earlier, uh, not all of us can go to the mission field, right. but we can help others who are doing this, and this is a great way to do it. And uh, we never may see the results ourselves, uh, but, uh, hey, when we get to heaven, uh, there may be uh, young people coming up to us and saying, thanks for what you did by sending that gift. I got a chance to see the gospel being displayed, to accept Christ as my Savior, and I'm here because you love me enough to do it. And I grew. I grew spiritually. Grew spiritually. Uh, from uh, this uh, uh, greatest journey. By the way, uh, folks, you you don't have to have given a shoebox in order to do this. No. So if uh, you couldn't afford it or you didn't get to it or your church didn't do it, you weren't sure how to participate, you can still participate in this Greatest Journey promotion. Uh, you can go to AFR.net and you can learn more about it. But if you want to donate, you can donate there or by calling 877-616-2396. That number again, I'll do it slowly, 877-616-2396. And AFR will be doing this and promoting this throughout our programs all day long. All right, Steve, what do you got top of your list when it comes to news? I am uh, chagrined at my profession today. Chagrined? I'm almost ashamed, I got to say. Democracy may die in darkness, but wokeness thrives. This is an article. I like that. This is an article that actually appeared today in the Washington Post. The headline reads, Shark Week lacks diversity, overrepresents men named Mike. According to scientists, that's not a Babylon B headline. No, that is a real story. It's a real story. 
What they find is that uh, the Shark Week, which has been going on the uh, Discovery Channel till uh, since, what, 1980-something, uh, emphasized, they said that um, the Shark Week uh, features 90%, uh, 1988 is when it started, 90% of all the experts are white men. <gasps> and or- maybe even more. Uh, I, uh, more I, the word I was going to say I don't want to say but you know damaging yeah um, in the latest study Whitenick and the others researchers found that Shark Week episodes include stories of attacks and other fear mongering messages more than positive languages describing sharks <laughs> oh yeah how, well, can, how can you how can you say a shark attack might be positive <laughs> Yeah, yeah I, and listen. You're I, supposed listen, to describe them as awe-inspiring. That's they the may be part. onto something because we all know the most dangerous shark is the great white, the great oh, white shark. That's so true. maybe the that's – privileged shark. Yes, very <laughs> privileged. Listen, that's just stupidity on on a scale that that I, I can't even measure. Uh, listen, I, I if if I have no idea if there are – Black experts on sharks? Maybe there are. And I would be absolute. I don't pay attention to Shark Week. I'm just pretending like I do. Uh, listen, I don't think anybody cares who the expert is, uh, except for these folks, these kinds of folks. If there are black experts, brown experts, whatever. Uh, the as long as you're an expert on sharks. As long as you're an expert on sharks. Uh, so I, I, if, if, the, if, there, if, it's tr- if it's true... That these networks that cover Shark Week, what's the primary one that does? Discovery Network. Discovery Network. If it's true that they're freezing out black experts, then they have a complaint. Okay? That's valid. But don't imply that just because the experts they interview are primarily white experts that it's because of racism. Well, So prove your point fully. Don't make slanderous accusations. Well, yeah, they say that um, over 90% of the 229 experts featured in the 201 Shark Week episodes were white, 78% were men, and just uh, so you know, um, there were uh, more white experts and commentators named Mike than there were women. Well, uh, listen, with, uh, my per- personally, I'm okay with that. My middle name's Michael, so... Uh, I'm favorable to people named Mike. Uh, it, it doesn't. I don't know what that. I don't know what that makes me. But <laughs> listen, that that's that's unless there's something pernicious going on. Uh, that is yet another example of woke lunacy. Yep. So anyway, at least we're not talking about Sharknado. Okay. <laughs> that you're talking about lunacy. That's where we go. When, with that subject. That, I think they're rebranding as a documentary. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, uh, that's darkness is where democracy goes to die. Is that That's the Washington democracy Post. Democracy dies in darkness. Their motto. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What else you got? All right. Um, we're finding out more about uh, the goings on at Twitter. Now, I got to say, every time I see this story and I read about this guy named James Baker, I keep thinking about President Reagan's, was it Secretary of State for a while? James Baker? Yeah. Not that guy. Uh, this was a counsel. He was a former FBI director. Uh, his name is James Baker, and he lost his job at Twitter yesterday. Yeah. 
Um, so what? It, it, this is the guy it, I was kind of teasing in uh, in uh, our store meeting. He's the he's a Forrest Gump of 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 social media type things. So he was the guy that was in charge of or helped promote the the um, Russia hoax, right? The the documents, the the what was it called the the files that they put the put forward. He was the one that was kind of in charge of getting those things out and everything. But then it turns out he left the government, the FBI, and he started working for Twitter. Well, yeah. he he was fired yesterday. Um, after it was found out that he was key in making sure that Twitter held back the Hunter Biden uh, information that came out right before the uh, elections of 2020, the the laptop information, he kind of was in charge of submarining that. And he, it it came out yesterday, he was the one that was kind of combing through all this Twitter files that Elon Musk posted before they got on the air before they were posted on Twitter, he got a shot at them. So if if it seemed like there was some incriminating evidence, it even got past James Baker. There's more to come. James Baker was fired. He has been escorted from Twitter headquarters. Um, his explanation, according to Elon Musk, was dot, 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 unconvincing. What, what does that mean? Dot, it means he, he tied it. Uh, Elon Musk had a talk with James Baker, said, what's going on here? And he gave an explanation. He said it was unconvincing. You clear out your desk. You're You're gone. Okay. Fred, what do you what do you make of this? This uh, this guy it is kind of kind of funny the way Steve characterized him, kind of the uh, 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 Forrest Gump, uh, almost in reverse. But he's always seeming to fall into yeah. situations. Well, um, for, yeah, he was at the FBI. He was chief counsel at the FBI during the period going back to two thousand and sixteen. When the whole Steele dossier uh, was around, and we know that the FBI, so he's chief counsel at the FBI, James Baker. This is the time when the FBI took, uh, and they knew the Steele dossier had false information, but they went to the FISA court to get search warrants for, for people who worked for Donald Trump. Right. All right. So he's working in that milieu, very much involved uh, with the attack against candidate Donald Trump. So after that, he gets a job at Twitter. And we understand uh, that uh, he was involved with the suppression of the New York Post story about the uh, Hunter Biden laptop. And uh, I guess Elon Musk, when he bought out Twitter there a few weeks ago, uh, he fired a bunch of people, but he missed James Baker. Yeah. So what happened was last Friday... Uh, when Elon Musk decided he wanted to release some of the background as to why Twitter would not uh, put the New York Post story up during the 2016 election campaign. <laughs> the release, it was done, uh, there was a journalist that Elon Musk hired. Matt Taibbi. Ma- Matt Taibbi. So Taibbi... Didn't hire him. He, he, he released the file him. to him. Yeah. So he, so he goes through it. Taibbi goes through it, and but he... Taibbi says, uh, if I'm, I remember the story correctly, he said I, there was a bunch of stuff that I was ready to release at five o'clock last Friday evening. Some of it didn't get through because apparently it went through James Baker. Yeah. So he kind of took out some of the references to the FBI salient points uh, for release last Friday evening. By the way, the release was delayed like an hour and a half, thanks to Mr. Baker. 
So anyway, over the weekend, I guess Elon Musk found out about all of this, and he called in James Baker. Explain yourself. Explain yourself, and unconvinced. Unconvincing. Unconvincing. His explanation was dot, 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 unconvincing. Listen, regardless of what you think of Donald Trump, Donald Trump is 100% accurate in deep state. Deep state. There is a deep state. And this is just uh, the latest bit of evidence. You have the chief counsel for the FBI going against candidate Donald Trump. Then he gets a job at Twitter and is involved with screening what Twitter puts out there. Yeah. Remember, it was the FBI that was meeting with Facebook and Twitter to downplay the Hunter Biden story. Yes. That it might be the Russians putting again stuff, uh, again in there. So is it any wonder why Donald Trump kept saying deep state, you know, and I don't think Donald Trump understood how deep the deep state was. He got a lesson the first week he was in there. Oh, yeah. I mean, he was, remember, drain the swamp. Yes. And everything he, everything that man said about the deep state and the swamp was absolutely true. But to your point, I don't think even he suspected how deep it went because you remember the first week he was in office. Yes. There were people leaking audio of his conversations with other world leaders. I think it was the prime minister of Australia in one case and uh, maybe friends. I don't know who else. But inside his own administration, because these were bureaucrats that opposed him and wanted to be part of the quote unquote resistance. So uh, while he was in office, I gave President Trump a lot of slack and a lot of props for the fact that this guy was beaten up mercilessly every single Mm 24-7. And so I I used to say, listen, if I was getting beat up like that, I'd be tweeting (laughs) madness too. Yes. And and angrily tweeting because he and his family went through an awful lot for four years. And are still going through it. And are still still going through it. And this kind of thing here with Twitter and James Baker, this shows the depths of the corruption that exists not only in the government but corporate america and big social these are corrupt institutions they've been corrupted and they are not playing i I don't want to say playing fair that sounds like we're talking about you know elementary schoolyard but they are they have taken sides uh the deep state corporate america for the most part and big social, they have taken sides in the culture wars and the political battles that are going on in this country. And and for Republicans slash conservatives to win, mm-hmm. you've got to run a gauntlet yeah. that is unprecedented in American history. Who knows whether we're, our republic can survive that kind of gauntlet. And after our program ends today, I'm going to challenge our listeners. Go Google this story. James Baker fired Twitter. See what media is covering this. Yep. As of this morning. Are you suggesting, Fred, <laughs> that media is not covering this? Well, the Washington Post is so busy complaining about... Uh, Shark Week? Shark Week. I guess they're too busy to look into the fact that former this former high-ranking official at the FBI ends up at Twitter and is involved with squashing the uh, Hunter Biden laptop. Continuing story. to do dirty work. Yes. As, as he did... At the FBI. Yes. So, all right, Steve. 
What other great news do you have? For All us? right. Uh, well, it's not enough. Week. <laughs> <laughs> it's not enough that your that uh, inflation is here. Your groceries might be starting to uh, to cost a little more because two of the largest grocery chains are uh, getting together. At least they want to get together. This would be Kroger and Albertsons. Yes. Uh, Albertsons is kind of like west of the uh, yeah. Mississippi. A lot of it? Albertsons out in California. Yeah, and I remember in Arizona they had Albertsons. Yeah, uh, Safeways and that kind of stuff. Anyway, uh, Kroger's uh, out east here, or in the Colorado had Kroger's, and they're but so they're in Congress asking about a merger. I want to tell you, Tom Cotton is 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 kind of harsh at times. <laughs> <laughs> so the um, the administrators for Kroger were sitting there. In front of Tom Cotton, and they were saying, you know, we want some help. In front of a committee. In front of a committee. We want some help uh, with uh, this merger. You know, the Democrats, they want to regulate us, you know, out of this. Well, Tom Cotton seems to remember one uh, place that uh, Kroger was sued. They were sued over a discrimination lawsuit. And it was settled in October. The store paid $180,000 to employees who were fired because they did not want to wear an apron that celebrated the LGBT lifestyle. Pride Month. Pride Month. Mm-hmm. No, we're not going to do it. You're fired. Well, they can't do that. They got right. uh, kicked out. So when they come to Republicans like Tom Cotton and ask for help with the merger, I want you to hear what Tom Cotton says. Listen to Cut 12. This situation reminds me a little bit of the situation big tech companies have found themselves in in recent years. They've come to Washington because they fear regulation from our Democratic friends or action by the Biden administration, and they expect Republicans who are traditionally more supportive of free enterprise to come to their defense. And I've cautioned them for years that if they silence uh, conservatives and center-right uh, voters across the country, if they discriminate against them in their company, they probably shouldn't come and ask Republican senators to carry the water for them whenever our Democratic friends want to regulate them or block their mergers. So I, I've heard a lot, a, lot, a lot of questioning about that today, and I've read a lot about it in the news. Um, and I'll say this. I'm sorry that's happening to you. Best of luck. <laughs> Bam! Oh yeah, that that was that was brilliant, Fred. I, I, Tom Cotton is is a brilliant guy. He's a stand up guy, and he is a fighter for conservative values. And that was as succinct uh, a counterpunch as you're going to get. To uh, he mentioned big social, but th- in this case, it was uh, uh, big corporations who want to come to the Republicans after suppressing conservative ideals in their corporate endeavors that go far beyond selling, you know, uh, Rice Krispies. Yes. Well, Cotton was uh, addressing his concerns uh, to CEO, uh, Kroger chair and CEO Rodney McMullen. And with regards to the aprons uh, that these employees got fired for, they didn't wear these aprons. McMullen, this is what he said, the heart symbol said the heart symbol with various colors on the apron was not supportive of the LGBTQ community, despite it being introduced during Pride Month. During Pride Month. All right. But here, here's, here's another kind of icing on the cake on all of those folks. Uh, uh, Senator Scott also mentioned a guide for employees that directs employees to stop using sir and ma'am. Yeah. and Because that implies gender. Yes. And here's what Cotton, Cotton replied to that, Senator Cotton. 
do you really expect 72-year-old employees in rural areas of Arkansas, because Tom Scott is from, uh, from, uh, Tom Scott. Scott is from uh, Arkansas, do you really expect 72-year-old employees in rural areas of Arkansas to stop using words like sir and ma'am? Can you imagine? There was apparently a memo went out to Kroger employees. There was. Stop using the words sir and ma'am. All of a sudden, that's insulting terminology. How woke, to Tom Cotton's point, wokeness has taken over these corporations, and now these corporations are pleading for help. Yeah, for and you know what? The explanation that the Kroger CEO gave for these two examples were using the uh, clear promotion of uh, of Pride Month sure. uh, on the aprons, but then this ludicrous, I mean, he, he gave some kind of ludicrous explanation for why they were trying to uh, while they were telling employees not to use sir and ma'am, it was just a it was a fried bologna sandwich from this guy. Everyone knows what they're doing, and he wants to try to couch it as if what what you know it reminds me of when I was a kid. What I do, what I do, ma? Why why am I being punished? What I do? Okay, that's what he's saying. And and kudos to Tom Cotton for saying you'll get no help from Republicans as long as you are showing yourself to be a woke corporation. You are on your own. Best of luck. That was that was a thing of beauty. Yes. So good for him. Yep. All right. What else we got? We got a few minutes left. All right. Uh, our president was down at the border. Uh, we I think we mentioned this yesterday in Arizona, and he was at the down at the border. Well, he well, was down uh, at a border state, hundred miles, but he was uh, a couple hundred miles from the border. He never made it to the border, but he did make it to this uh, this uh, uh, chip making company. And, uh, and we're not talking, like I said yesterday, updated. Doritos. No, is... these are computer chips. Right. Uh, but you might not know that uh, President Biden knows the difference. Uh, this is how he described their operation. Cut, uh... Investment. And we'll construct a second fab here in Phoenix to build chips, the three nano chips, the three nano chip chips and the three nano. And you know what I'm saying? <laughs> nano, no, no. I don't know. <laughs> no, no, sir. We don't know what you're saying. We're pretty sure you don't know what you're saying. That 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 was. Uh, uh, listen, we have all said many times we don't expect President Joe Biden to always be articulate. No, we're not saying you can't make mistakes, but these kinds of mistakes are becoming very common. In fact, I, I said in our story meeting, we got to run this. I want to hear it because we haven't heard one in a while. Right. But he is making these kinds of mistakes. We need to play. We need to play it. You know, he just got off Air Force One. He had two and a half hour flight, two hour flight from Washington, D.C. to Arizona. Was it Phoenix? I think in Phoenix. North in Phoenix. Phoenix. Yeah. So he has time to read notes. Right. Now, presidents get copious amounts of notes when they're going to an event and you would think, you know, his staff sat down with him and here's what you're going to say. And this is what uh, these chips are all about. And right. so that, Mr. President, when you get up there, you can kind of sound what you know, yeah. you know what you're talking about. And for some reason, I, I guess he didn't have notes in front of him. And he, Joe Biden gets dangerous when he ad libs. Yes, <laughs> he does. Very dangerous. And I'm sure the staff just they just bury their heads in their hands. And here we go again. If he had said "chips ahoy" in that conversation, that that those remarks, I would nanu been, nanu. I wouldn't have been any uh, any more surprised than what uh, what I was when I heard what he had to say. All right, folks, we had a little little fun yeah. with the president. 
just like we did when George Bush, George W. Bush, I used to love playing some of his greatest hits when it came Fun to this. with the president. Yep, this speaking. All right, guess what? That's all the time we have for today's edition of Today's Issues. More great programming directly ahead on the American Family Radio Network. Lord willing, we'll see you right back here for more of Today's Issues. Bye for now. 